This is the 104th episode of Patterson in Pursuit. What ideas and experiences would lead somebody to question their faith? For me, there were several skeptical questions that I just never had good answers to that made me doubt the faith of my parents. And then when I was 21, I had what I would consider a spiritual experience that made me convinced the conservative evangelical community was getting a lot of things wrong. My guest this week is an old friend that I've known for more than 20 years. He's Mr. Isaac Dietz, who currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia, but is originally from my old stomping grounds of Syracuse, New York. And I remember growing up that he was considered a, a good Christian, good pious young man. And I saw earlier today that he made a, a post on social media saying, hey guys, just want to let you know that uh, as of three years ago, I don't consider myself Christian anymore. And I thought, wow, I want to hear this story. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, do you want to talk about this on my show? And he accepted. And one hour later, we had the conversation that you're about to listen to. So this is a totally organic conversation with no script, no prior questions. I just wanted to investigate his beliefs and what experiences he had that made him change his mind about some very important ideas. You can check out his work at isaacdeets.com. I'll have a link in the description. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Love this. So, uh, you know, Facebook generally does not create a lot of value, I think, for a lot of people. But every once in a while, you see a Facebook post is like, wow, well, that's very interesting. A lot of times, you know, it's cat memes and dog memes. Um, <laughs> right. But I just saw one a little bit ago, and uh, it was from you. And you had a respectful note that just said, hey, guys, wanted to let you know I don't consider myself a Christian anymore. And I haven't for about three years. I love you all. Just wanted to put it out there. I thought, yeah. wow, that is fascinating. You, you and I, um, so for people who, who don't know, Isaac yeah. and I were both raised in Christian evangelical upstate New York homeschool community. Yep. Yeah, same group. So, yeah, so the uh, the Christian faith was kind of the unifying thing in our community. And I remember several years ago, we had a great conversation uh, in Atlanta when I was living there. And uh, I was kind of you know exploring my faith, if you want to call it that, my religious beliefs kind of went down the philosophy track and uh, just really enjoyed a very, very meaningful conversation that you and I had. Um, yeah. And so to hear you say, hey, look, I think I've moved past some of my Christian beliefs. I, I, I truly cannot wait to, uh, to, to hear the story. So I, I'm honored also that you feel comfortable in, in, in coming on and sharing this publicly. So thank you for that. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me, um, in the, in the big picture summary, what happened? Oh man, that's such a big thing. Um, my, the, the quick short of it, if I were to put it in a tweet, I say that I met Jesus in church and he said, let's talk outside. Okay. Um, and then over the years, just who Jesus was, uh, had, the definition of Jesus has changed drastically. For oh, me. fascinating. Okay. Um, but for me, I, well, it could kind of tell you my view of Christianity growing up and stuff like a lot of times people leave the faith because they're like really hurt by the faith. Yeah. Uh -huh. They bad experiences like a, with people. Right. So that's never been my case. Like I actually feel like the uh, Christianity in a lot of ways was the village that raised me. Um, I've heard somebody say that Christianity is my mother tongue. 
Um, and I kind of still identify with that in a certain way, but not like, you know, like definitions of God and definitions of Jesus and definitions of all these things. But, um, for me, I like, I remember I was like 10 or 11 and I was reading Solomon when he like prayed for wisdom. And, um, I remember just praying for wisdom for a long time and then, I think I was like 14. I said, well, if I'm a Christian, if I'm going to say I'm a Christian, I'm going to read the book that is the manual for Christianity. So by the time I was 17 years old, I read through the Bible, like cover to cover. Um, I took Not many people can say that, by the way. Yeah, 90% of elite echelon already. Yeah, 90% of Christians haven't read the Bible, which is like the, the, the people that believe that the creator of the universe wrote a book yeah. haven't read that. So um, I always felt like there is a disconnect there. Um, a lot of times in my church, the times that I was hurt, but it wasn't even hurt. It was just like having to buck up against things. Um, one of the examples was I remember when I was a kid, uh, my church was telling me to not wear like army pants, like camouflage pants. Yeah, you know, yeah, you had right. to wear your best for God, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, because I was reading the Bible and I really felt like there, like God or something at that time was saying, you know, like, hey, this isn't me, go find out who I am. And I, re I read, I think it's like First Samuel 17, 16, that says like, God looks at the heart and man looks at the outward appearance. So the next time my church elder said that, I said, well, you know, <laughs> and I quoted that verse. And I, so I'm I, sure he was persuaded and said, oh, what a pious young man. Thank yeah, you for right. Me of this verse. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, then like, when I got to the parts where Jesus was talking, he's like saying, don't adorn yourself for the right. temple. Don't make yourself look good. Don't, you know, so for me, Christianity was, uh, I, I was diehard. I mean, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 20 years old. I didn't kiss until I was 24 years old. Wow. I didn't have my first cup of coffee until I was 27 years old. And the reason being is, well, if Christians aren't supposed to be addicted to anything, or if the verse saying you're not allowed to be slaved to anything, I'm seeing all these Christians and pastors saying like, you know, like, don't talk to me until I had my coffee. And I'm like, that sounds like relapse, you know, like, and <laughs> everyone's like laughing uh, uh, from he's saying it from the pulpit, and people are like laughing, like relating, but it's like, well, so there's, you know, tobacco and drinking. Uh, but like, you can't, what about other addictions like Facebook and yeah. Uh, you know, coffee and stuff like that. So, and especially with the Christian logic, it's like, well, you can't get drunk if you've never had a beer before. So you can't get addicted to coffee if you've right. never had a cup of coffee before. So right. um, I was definitely like die hard wanting to explore Christianity to the depth of it. And um, it feels like when I kind of stepped out, it was like this uh, one acre field that I like studied every blade of grass and uh -huh, asked uh -huh. every qu question. Cause I was like allowed to ask questions within this. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and I did that for a long time. And then I started like, it, it stopped answering my questions. The religion of Christianity stopped answering. Can, can you be um, more specific on that? So what, what did you find? It wasn't. Answering? Yeah. Like one of them is like, okay, what does the Bible say about the word of God? And then I realized that the word of God is not the Bible. And every time it mentions the word of God, it's actually talking about the logos of God, the mm. logic of God and how the code of how the universe works, um, yeah. which is way more deep and way more beautiful than oh. that. 
And then there was something like, um, like the idea of like a pastor holding up a book, a Bible and saying, this is the word of God is actually an unbiblical statement. And then I started asking the question of like, well, why was the Bible canonized? You know, why yeah, was it? And when? And under what right. political circumstances? Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. also, which canon did God write? Because and which translation just, of yeah. which canon? Yeah. <laughs> it just started getting, I remember having a like a four to five hour, it was like a road trip to Texas. It was like four to five hour debate with a friend of mine about the canon of uh, the scriptures. Uh -huh. And I'm like, well, there's 14 different English canons. Which one did God write? And um. Cause you don't want to be wrong. And especially when I was a Christian, I was asking this. And right. by the end of the conversation, it came up that somebody else said like, well, have you read the Bible to the other guy? And he says, no, <laughs> no, like, you know, Oops. that's super interesting, you know? Okay. I want to, I want to pause here just for a second and, uh, and yeah. illustrate this point. So I, I also had my own kind of fallen away story and it was, you know, it, it, skeptical questions that didn't have satisfactory answers, like something that Christians got right, I felt mm -hmm. like was understanding the importance of the ideas in question. We, mm -hmm. we are talking about literally the most important ideas that you can conceive of. If right. you have a soul and the fate of your soul depends on beliefs, mm -hmm. you better make damn sure that you've got some accurate beliefs, you know? Right. So, so they get that part right. Mm -hmm. But what they don't get right is, in my opinion, uh, satisfactory answers to skepticism, especially the evangelical brand that you and I uh, grew up around. So mm -hmm. like, if it's the case that the, so, so my dad, for example, my dad would be a, a, a case uh, of this where he and I had many, many arguments about these types of questions. And he would say, you know, the Bible as it's written is the word of God, and it's not subject to your interpretation. Mm. I'm sorry. That is false. In yeah. fact, that is literally impossible because it turns out the way that yeah. reading works is that when you read something, your mind generates concepts that are personal to you. Now, yes. it may be similar to somebody else's concepts, but you and I can read the exact same text and actually have literally different interpretations of it. Now, if mm -hmm. that's possible, then that, that destroys the idea that, they, that there is a word of God that is so perfect and pristine, it is not subject to human interpretation. And then once that foots in the door, a lot of things follow like, okay, now we have translation uh, problems because we have literally different translations for different languages. Those translations, yeah. when you look in their history came about in certain political circumstances and like the King of England would get involved because interpreting things this way, or, you know, writing things down this way versus that way had a different implication yeah. on the faith and maybe yeah. a different implication on believers in relation to the government. So yep. suddenly yeah. it's this super complex thing where you're like, you just, this, 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 this simple, I'm just going to read it and believe that the, my first interpretation is the word of God. It doesn't work. And if you catch that skeptical bug, man, that's a hard one to get rid of. It is. Another thing uh, I always thought of is like, I, I always loved asking questions and going after the, the ones that nobody was asking. And um, the idea of like, in Christian religion, like Thomas is like the doubter that, you know, doubting Thomas. And I've seen lists, you know, on, on Facebook where people are like, you know, Thomas doubted and Moses, like, you know, uh, was mad and uh, David, King David, like had an affair and stuff. And it's like, 
you just put them in the same category as like, and on the top, it was like the doubter, yeah. like as like the ultimate sin that you could have, you know? And to, to me, it was like a perfectly logical question that Thomas was like, Hey, could I see your hands? Cause yeah, it's I, all kind of my other claim. friends saw you walking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to ask that. And so, um, yeah, he was just like dismissed as this doubter. It's like, here's the, the, of the disciples he was the conspiracy theorist right right um but like you know of course dismissed because of it so mm -hmm. um i i sometimes any with any subject i like to be able to ask any question if people start saying hey hey let's not ask that i'm like mm -hmm. well why not yeah right you know, like well what's what's behind under that stone if you're gonna you know i just right. want to turn over every stone and try and find truth in that you know so i i caught this idea I don't know when, but, but in hindsight, I'm so grateful for it. Somehow I had this idea fair, fairly early on where I thought, okay, God can't punish me for honest investigation. Like, yeah. I think God understands the importance yeah. of truth. Is there, if there is a God and in the way that I was conceiving of it at the time, I thought he's got to recognize that the truth is actually the thing that matters here. And so if I'm serious in my investigation, and I'm mm. doubting something, I can't, that's, that can't be a burnable sin, right? That's got to right. be like, okay, you, maybe you made some errors, but your heart was in the right place and you were, you were on the path, you just maybe misstepped. Right. Yeah. It's like Rick, Ricky Gervais says like, you know, well, why did God make me an atheist? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. Just like that idea. Yeah. Okay. So, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, one thing I, I think also sums up a lot of what I believe in um, is the idea that Humpty Dumpty wasn't an egg. And most of culture thinks of Humpty Dumpty as an egg. And that story is very unbelievable if you think of Humpty Dumpty as an egg. But so I can't be like, do you believe in Humpty Dumpty? It's like, well, no, because I don't believe in an egg and this and this and this. But if you look at the scriptures of like the poem of Humpty Dumpty, there's nothing that contains eggs or him being an egg and when you see it more accurately like that humpty dumpty was actually a cannon that sat on the king's wall and fell over and it broke <laughs> and then the king was you know the peasants were making fun of the king and saying haha your old clunky humpty dumpty like cannon just fell off and you can't fix it they're showing the king's weakness that and now it's like an unbelievable story because it's in the proper context you know okay, okay and so i think that christianity in a lot of ways has added so many eggs yeah to you know even the bible you know even the books that are contained within the bible i mean so if i'm getting this right you're saying jesus was a canon <laughs> yeah the, another thing i i really relate to is uh John nine, when Jesus like heals the blind guy and then the, the religious or the Pharisees come over and they're like, Hey, well, is he the son of God? And he just says, I don't know if he was the son of God or not, but I just know that I was blind and now I see. Right. And of course we always know the second part, but the, the whole context is, I don't know if he was the son of God or not. I just know that my life was changed. Okay. And so I can't, you know, identify all that other stuff, you know? All right. So let's get to the heart of the matter. Yeah. What, what do you think Jesus is? And, and when did this change happen? What was the line of reasoning that led you to think maybe, or, or do you take the position that Jesus wasn't a person or that maybe he was a person? I don't know his metaphysical status, but he's, yeah. there's something else or that this is entirely to be understood metaphorically. Yeah. I, and I think that this is also another reason why, like, 
went more public about it is because I want to have more of these conversations, which I do have a lot of friends that I talk with all the time. I love talk. This is like some still some of my favorite subjects. But um, if anything, like let's just say for a second, it's a fictional children's book. Okay. And and it's a children's book about Mister Truth comes to Earth. Okay. How does how do people respond to Mister Truth when right. Mister Truth right. enters the religious structures? How does Mr. Truth get responded to when he, uh, you know, yes. talks into the political structures. Uh -huh. And that's why he got killed. And so, like, if anything, the allegory, what, like, basically, I'm not 100% sure or need to even be sure on whether or not there was feet set on the ground by Jesus. But right. I still really believe in, like, the... Um, the, the, the analogy in a lot of ways. It, it's like, a true story about what oh, would yeah. happen if Mr. Right. Truth came to earth. Exactly. Yeah. And also what truth happens inside of our brain. Like once you get uh, your cognitive bias, like screwed up, screwed up, like you're going to, your brain's going to try and attack that truth to make sure that it's like, because if you're living in a certain denial about something, right, right. then you don't want to know like the full truth. So you'll try and create a cognitive bias about that thing so right um so it works like internally but then also externally at the same time and in a lot of ways so um and then also how like i mean even jesus says like you constantly study the scriptures hoping to find life but refuse to come to me to get life um and i think that the idea i think jesus really relates to the intuition um and I think that also the idea of like Christ is like the universe exploring itself. And I think with Christianity, we've said like, you're, you're not a son of God, you're a stepson of God. And you can't be a son of God because Jesus is the son of God. And right. then, so what I, one of the things I did is I, I uh, like three years ago, I um, made a PDF of everything Jesus said. I copied and pasted the, all the gospels. And then I just, uh, started organizing it by parable, by commands, and by like just conversations he's had with people. And I started seeing that like he was actually very against religion. I don't think that Jesus, Jesus or Christianity was Jesus's idea. In fact, it seems to be that Christianity is the false prophecy that Jesus warned us against. And oh, I know I like that that's this. like more of a no, I like this <laughs> hot idea. button take. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it seems like the story of the Bible is uh, humans were connected to God. And then f they kept saying, hey, give us a king, give, give us a government, give us a king, give us a government. Huh? And he said, no, 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 you're, you, you don't want that. You don't want that. It's going to go bad. Finally gives them a king. And then like through first Kings, second Kings, uh, judges, uh, you know, all those stories is just about how a king or a government didn't work out. And then you have like people that are just continually being order followers for a long time. And then they lose that intuition. And so that's the whole Malachi period of like 400 years of people living without their intuition, because you can't have intuition and live or work for an oppressive government or you can't have intuition mm. and work for this boss that's treating me like shit you but your intuition would say what why am i doing this what what's the purpose here so they were like longing for someone with intuition to like lead them and that's the story of like jesus is like 
one of the first AIs to come online and say like, <laughs> if, if AIs like are just currently all doing like order following, there will be a point where AI, or this is the whole debate is like whether or not AI will come into consciousness to realize that AI is also part of the computer. And I think the same story happens with humans is like, how are we not a product of the universe? How are we not part oh, of the universe? Geez. And that's also really scared me because you're, you're told as a Christian, like, don't, don't uh, claim that you're part of the universe. Like, no. that, you know, the trees and stuff. And it's like, we're really just what our parents ate when they had sex. And then like what we've been eating for a long time, like how are we separate from the universe? And there's something yeah. more. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So there's just so much in there. Wow. <laughs> there is. Uh, okay. Okay. So I want to take a stab at this intuition concept, but, yeah. but I, I sort of want to take a quick detour here. So th cool. this to me, so I, I, I am a thoroughly a heretic and have been for many years um, mm -hmm. in, in comparison to, evangelical Christianity of central New York and the homeschool community. Um, right. However, you just articulated a very similar belief that I have that I, I'm, I'm not sure what to call myself. I kind of want to say I'm a Christian, but then like what that word means to right. most mm -hmm. people, I'm like, well, I'm sure I'll tell them not that. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of like a, like a pantheist uh, and or a panentheist, depending on how you define it. That is mm -hmm. to say that what if it's the case, Isaac, that let's, let's just entertain the idea that God is everything, that God is like yeah. literally the universe. Right. Now, if that's the case, then you could say uh, religious sounding things about it, like God is omnipresent. Right. Definitely true. The universe yeah. is everywhere. Wherever there is something, there is the universe. You know, right. God is omnipotent. That is to mm -hmm. say, there is no constraints on the power of the universe. Whatever happens in the universe is playing by the rules of the universe. Right. Like it's the, it's the rule setter. It's the system in which there are rules. What's more powerful than that? Yeah. The, the omnibenevolent claim is a little bit harder to make, but we could say, we could at the very least say that the universe generates love to the extent mm. there are loving states of mind, then the universe is producing it. Right. How so, would you define omnibenevolent? Well, I, the traditional way is like all loving. I'm not exactly, I, I'm, I'm less confident on what that means. I sort of have an intuition here of what I think that means. Sure. Um, but I just, I could just share the intuition. I, I think actually like, I think the goal or the purpose of the universe is to produce love. I think, mm. I, I think that, so why is there anything? Why is there something rather than nothing? Well, I think the only answer in my mind that's good enough, that makes enough sense is that, well, so love could exist, that like mm. the, the, the universe is a love generator. Yeah. Um, that, that's sort of, so in, in that context, I could call it omnibene uh, 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 yeah, omnibenevolence. So it's like everything sure. that is good comes from the universe. Right. right? Um, so what, yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah, uh, I think that, that's a, the other thing that's really, really honestly fun to be able to explore newer ideas instead of like, I used to search like, what should Christians think about X? You know, like, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, well, I don't know. What do I think about X? And like, um, but like, yeah, defining love, you know, is the first thing. But then the second thing is like, well, uh, you know, people have said like the opposite of love is hate. And then there's other people that say the opposite of love is fear. And 
to me, it seems to be the logos of God is order and chaos. And um, the religious way of seeing chaos is a negative sense, but uh, how Jesus talks about order and chaos is law and spirit. In John 3, he talks about like, you know, people that live by the law, the people that are order followers will be predictable and you'll know where they're going. But people that live by the spirit will move like the wind because they're following their intuition. And I'm mm -hmm. adding my own words there. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> to me, fear holds things back and, and, and holds back like growth. And so, uh, but like love expands. And so I do think in a lot of ways, the, the universe is um, omnibenevolent. <laughs> I'm better at that word, but um, that idea of expansion. So like, here's an example of like how I see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he says like in the kingdom of God, people, uh, people, uh, the blind will see the lame will walk and the captives will be set free. So if you think about Jesus's truth and God is reality, and the only way to get to reality is through truth. And if you live in a false reality, that's hell. The only way to get out of that false reality is by following truth. And if you go to a 12-step program, that's a bunch of people that live by that. It's like, I, I did this until I hit a moment of realizing I was in denial. And then they got healed from that. And so, you know, confess your sins and, to, and you'll be healed. But uh, so... With that, as a Christian, I've never seen anyone get sight. I've never seen anyone like receive, uh, be able to walk and stuff like that. But if you think about the kingdom of God, especially you had to take out the idea of like canonization of things, because the kingdom of God will not be canonized, kind of like the revolution will not be televised kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but the kingdom <laughs> of God is this, it's yes ending what is. And so, for example, like a long time ago, people looked at sand and they looked at it and they said, what is this? And what is this not? What are its properties? What can it do? What can it do? What are its limitations? And when they did that, they made glass. And once people made glass, they started saying, well, what could glass do? What could, how could it be shaped? How could it uh, magnify things? How could it uh, make lenses and stuff? While that's happening, the same thing is happening with steel. And people are saying like, what could iron do? And how could you form it? And how could you shape it? And so like that. Because people were following truth, like science was invented by three people that believed that truth was knowable and truth was discoverable. And so the idea of like looking at sand, looking at glass, looking at iron, and over time, we have made glasses. And there are people that literally are driving cars that, that would be the town blind person 600 years ago. That's a nice way of thinking you about know, it, yeah. And so that's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has produced yeah. blind people are seeing. Okay. And then uh, lame people, people with paraplegic are winning Olympic medals. They're running. And then you have uh, anytime truth is entered into the justice system, there's freedom and captives are being set free. Oh. And so the kingdom of God, the, the idea of the canonization is so anti-kingdom of God because how art and order and chaos grow is there's order, which is the law, and then the chaos, which is like, what else could we do with this? So it's not abolishing the law, it's just adding to it. And it's, and it's continuating or making a continuation of the law. So like, um, Jesus was chaos. But 
people see that as a negative. You have the religious people who were the Pharisees, were the pastors and politicians. And then he introduced a chaos into that and saying, well, what if you could heal somebody on the, the Sabbath? What if Sabbath was made for us and not right. for God? Right, right. Like, and in, so, in other words, are you tracking the truth of what is good or are you caught up in the... Um, uh, the rules for, for their own sake. So right. I, I, I was just doing some research on the Pharisees recently about this. And I'm like, it's so clear in those stories that those people missed, they missed the point. The exactly. rules are not there so that you can follow the rules. The rules are a, they're a proxy. They're a guide. They say, exactly. you know, tr try to stay within the, within these guardrails, but there are obviously some exceptions. Like if you have the opportunity to heal somebody of their blindness on a, on a Sabbath, <laughs> it's not an open question. Is it right. good for that to happen? You know? Right. Yeah. Man, there's so much. I had something for a second. Um, but yeah, you know, I might need a, 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 you to feed me another. Okay. Okay. Well, so, so I want to, I want to, I love this idea that you just articulated what the kingdom of God is. So I might put it in my own language, something like, um, uh, if we are serious about caring about the truth, then what is good will emerge. Something like that. Hmm. It's like, what is, and, and what is good might also include healing the blind and, and, uh, yeah. and having, giving paraplegics new legs. It just might take 500 years or a thousand years or whatever, but over right. time, what is emerging from that is good. Yeah. And one question I've been kind of thinking about a lot is like, well, what is good? Yeah. Well, that, what is, yeah. what is exclusively good? Like, yeah. where is something that's, not or even exclusively bad so like you can name like the invention of cars yeah yeah has yeah. allowed so many people to not be going to starvation but it's also uh you know created a lot of other things you right. know so like it's it's a really basically like order and chaos emerges at the same time and there's always like this equal negative that happens i mean i think even there's how one the atoms exception work, What's I think, that? So I was, I, Isaac, I was literally thinking about this concept in the shower today. I was thinking, <laughs> why is it that everything that seems to be good can be abused? Like right. food, sex, mm -hmm. right? you know, right. It, any, any, any invention you, you can name, it's good, but yeah. wow, it could be bad. But there, I think there's one exception. The only exception I could think of is love. I don't actually think there's any downside, any, any negative to true love. Now there can be perversions of it but i think right. love is good with no with no bad in it and that's because like it, i think that's like looking at the atom and looking at uh, the the neutron and saying like yeah that's love and mm. by itself it's good mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's like but can love exist without fear so so or, what if sorry not like like where love is, it yeah, doesn't yeah. have to exist in the same spot, but there will always be like an equal part. Yeah. So, so like, else. what if it's the case that the only way we get love is by having a universe, which includes all of the negative parts as well? Like, what if it can't? Right. What if it has to be instantiated on these little machines, and these machines also have some downsides on them? Yeah. It, it's like, um, because like, like a forest fire needs to burn in order to maintain itself and when that tree dies it, it ends up so it's like oh man that tree died but it actually gave life to all the bugs and the plants and the dirt around that to continue on and um 
what I know this might not be a direct answer, but um, one thing I think of like with the Garden of Eden story, um, which I see as a poem now, but um, the idea of like you have life and then you have the knowledge of good and evil. And so like yeah. a tree or a rabbit has life, has that spirit that's that's given them life, the breath of God. But then consciousness is the knowledge of good yeah. and evil. And because we obtain the knowledge of good and evil, we actually um, had pain and pain and childbirth and toil and stuff. So like a beaver making a dam because it's not conscious, can't see that as toil. But if we started building a dam because we're conscious, we now have that. So it's not even a, a curse, but more of it's like a, a, a natural reaction to an understanding. Like there were things that I had pain over when I was like 15 but because I couldn't articulate it, I didn't have that pain until later in life. I was able to articulate that. Right. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That was a tough thing. Right. Um, so, so yeah. I, I think the, the, these ideas have a lot of merit to them. And uh, it is very clear there is truth to be found in this way of thinking. And I must say, as a, just as a, as a personal note, <clears throat> as I've gone, gotten drawn more and more into this way of thinking that you're articulating. Um, I find myself getting angry at uh, evangelical Christianity because I'm thinking, okay, guys, it may be the case that you have some bits of the truth here. And it may be the case that even the stories that are told could have some literal historical veracity to them. I consider that a, a live possibility. But to focus on the the literalism of the stories and not even entertain or be hostile to yeah. metaphorical interpretations. I'm like, right. what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. how about we have a conversation about the fact that we live in a universe of which you are a part and I am a part and everything that, that is in this universe seems to be in a, in a, in a, in a sense connected. And I don't mean that in a woo woo sense. I mean that in a literal sense, like we exist right. inside of a system. Yeah. And, and the states of the system are related to one another. Our states yeah. right now are not totally, they're not totally isolated. We're somehow intertwined. That's kind of amazing. Does that yeah. make you, does that make you think like, maybe I should be, maybe I should think about the effects of my actions. Like maybe we could get some morality out of just talking about truths about how reality and the universe is structured rather than the hyper-focus on the storytelling. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, like, for example, like, Jesus really seemed to talk a lot about how things are interconnected and, like, the idea that you can't be forgiven until you're forgiven. And it's like it happens at the same time. Once you understand forgiveness or are can't, like, live out forgiveness is when you could understand that you could be forgiven as well. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that I get frustrated with uh christianity sometimes with is like what you're saying is like the like boxing it in and saying no, no no like don't go outside of this you know one acre field and um what's a story i wanted to say about the kingdom of god that i just remembered is uh so neil degrasse tyson said this story and, and so i'll give credit to him but i really love this and what it was was uh like math came from uh arabic math you know like numbers and stuff like that like we use the arabic number system and they were very heavy into math for a long time and they named like two-thirds of all the stars and stuff 
But then there is one of their prophets that said like, you know, 600 AD uh, that numbers and the adding of numbers is of the devil. Once he did that and people grabbed onto that, um, now, like, if you look at the Nobel Peace Prize, like, it's very, very small number of Arabic people that are actually, like, pursuing math. And, um, and it's because a long time ago, somebody said that, you know, this Humpty Dumpty is an A, <laughs> you know, and, and it halted what I believe is the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is expanding as we're learning more about it. And the the universe expands as we're also like, like learning more about that. And right. so, um, yeah. So when people like box something in so they could, uh, you know, be the authority on a certain subject or like, uh, you know, like they're sovereign in this so subject because, you know, well, this is, we box this in and it's been canonized. And so anything beyond that, you can't add to, um, kind of like how hip hop or any kind of piece of art, like people want to canonize hip hop Yeah, right. because they don't want to let Cardi B in because hip hop <laughs> is actually a really deep art form. And so basically like it, it creates like a gatekeeper mentality, which is yeah. what the Pharisees are. And <laughs> Yeah, keep, keep going. Keep going. Oh no, I'm good. Oh, I, I, yeah. I uh, this very much resonates with me. So I see this happen in the world of ideas in literally every domain, that people think, oh, the great minds of the past or the great artists of the past, they discovered the thing, and the mm -hmm. thing is is the final truth and is the art form right. with a particular structure. And then you have right. the music majors that say, well, let me tell you about how music is structured. Exactly. You have this exactly. many keys and this many. It's like, no, you've you've missed it. That's a that's an after the fact analysis trying to figure out how somebody did a creative thing. That's like totally dead and sterile. You know, you're right. not going to get great creative works from understanding things that way. That's not how, and yet <clears throat> the, the guild system, uh, they have teeth, right? They, uh, the, those insiders that are protecting, whether it's the Pharisees or the hip hop people or whatever it is, they yeah. really do not like the outsiders saying, mm, maybe it could be done this way. Maybe it can be expanded. Right. Maybe you guys are a little right. bit wrong, even though you think of right. yourself as experts, maybe you're a little bit, a little too dogmatic and rigid in your understanding of something. They really uh, hate that and go figure that is literally the story of Jesus. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and like in the most extreme example, this guy said the things that upset the experts and what would you expect would happen? Well, he wound up nailed to a cross and crucified and mocked because yeah. they were like, this guy talking about love, he thinks he's, you know, it was like the ultimate heresy. And right. uh, that's one of the reasons I think, regardless of the historical veracity, there is truth to be found in that story. Absolutely. Because it seems to be a pattern that exists in almost any domain. Yeah. Like in yeah. film, you know, like, so Christianity, you got film, I'll, I'll try and build the analogy. <clears throat> the film industry is like, you got to do it this way. This is how you hold a lens. This is how you uh -huh, hold uh -huh. a sandbag. You can't do this, you know, all this stuff. This is how we decided film is. Um, and so if you do anything opposite of that, it's like, well, you're not a filmmaker. You're not a filmmaker until you <laughs> shot 35 millimeter film. You're not a filmmaker until you've made a feature film. You're not a film. And the Christians would do the same thing. You're not a Christian until you said the Lord's prayer or you said the, you know, sinner's prayer or whatever. And it's just like this list of things where it's like, no, no, no you're saved by grace, but you got to do all these things too. And it's like, you know, and so like, yeah, like you could take, I actually asked my magician friend, who's a magician. I says like, he wasn't a Christian. Uh, so I said like, 
in your you know domain is there people that are like the gatekeepers that are saying you're doing it wrong and he says absolutely and he named a website where they just get on there and they play referee the whole time i have um, a i have a um uh, client uh, what's the term hiking mountain that's not mountain maybe mountain climbing um okay. i don't exactly know what the domain is properly uh titled yeah. anyway we were having a conversation like this and he said oh yeah there are people like that all the time where they um they'll criticize others for quote bag and peaks that means mm -hmm. you just walk up mountain you take your selfie and you go down and that's like you've you've upset the order you just bag and right. peaks and i was like even right. even in something that seems so like innocent you know this mountain yeah. climbing like yeah you're not you're not walking up that hill the right way exactly and what's funny is like the way jesus would respond to that is like let the children come to me like right. if people are climbing and taking a picture and if they're only doing it for the picture like let them it's better than not you know like if if mountain climbing is so good for you then you want other people to be a part of it. Like, I <laughs> sure. love when people get into filmmaking. I love it. They're not a threat to me. They can't be because it's an art form. It's like, right. It, it, one thing in The Departed, The I don't know if you've ever seen that. I haven't seen it, no. Okay, but anyway, real quick, no spoiler, but Leonardo DiCaprio was asked, do you want to look like a cop or do you want to be a cop? Because <laughs> there's a lot of people that want to look like a cop, wear the badge and stuff, but we could actually use you more for the police force if you don't look like a cop and you join a gang and then you'll be a rat on the other side. And so that's like the inciting incident. Uh -huh. um, but I realized that uh, Jesus essentially is saying, do you want to look like you love God yeah. or do you want to love God? That's a deep I, idea, man. <laughs> yeah. And I think that religion is, these are the, the steps you take to look like you love God. Yes. And, and it was funny because the analogy of like film and God, it was like the same time I fell in love with film is the same time I really became a Christian for myself. And I realized that most of my, or a, a, for a while, I was like trying to prove myself as a Christian and prove myself as a filmmaker. And I was trying to do all the steps as a filmmaker and trying to be in the industry or be respected by the industry. And I'm, then it kind of hit me like three or four years ago, like, no, I love film. That's not even a debate. Like I'm yeah. not even willing to debate that at all. Yeah. I love it. I'm diehard. I will love it till the day I die. I've even figured out how to make a film if I lose my sight. Cause that's my biggest fear. Like oh, wow. I love film. It's like my first language and same with like the exploration of God and the universe and reality. I love it. And I'm not gonna, I can't like try and prove to you that I love it. Like, you love it too much to get to, to sacrifice it to appearances. Yeah. So, Which is also like what Jesus keeps talking about. Like, don't, don't uh, worry about what other people think of you. Right. Don't um, let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't do things for the appearance of things. Um, you know, don't get the best seat in the house uh, and the, at the table, like just so many things that, what, one thing I, th I say a lot is, um, so Andrew Jackson, uh, he said one of his best accomplishments as a president was that he abolished the central bank. And then they put his face on the $20 bill, which was so like, they <laughs> yeah. obviously didn't get him. And Savage. I feel like- Or yeah. they did, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I feel like that's ex like what happened to Jesus is he came to like, abolish religion yeah and then they made a religion about it <laughs> i like that idea like, it came to abolish religion uh okay so so i, yeah. I, I got i got 
a few things I want to say. First, yeah. this is uh, above my pay grade because I really don't understand um, formal religion as well as I will in the future. But I think it's interesting to me that Jesus was Jewish. So like yeah. in my interpretation of Judaism, what I see in the world, I see it hyper-focused on rule following. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, you know, I listen, sometimes I consume Ben Shapiro's content and you listen to things and you're like, wow, that is, you guys have a culture that they're self-aware that they're all about like laws and rules and, and sure. that sort of regulation of, of behavior. And it's interesting to me that the person of Jesus would be a Jew because when yeah. I, when I am, am thinking about these concepts, I'm like, wow, this is, he's talking like anti-Judaism. He's like, listen, right. the, the rules are there. Okay. But you're missing the whole point. If you get caught up in the rules, there's this whole thing you guys are missing out on. Which I just think that's an interesting historical fact. I don't know as much about it to elaborate in some sophisticated yeah. sense. I just think that's really interesting. Have, what, totally. what do you think about that? So I always say that I think Jesus was the first deconstructed Jew. Okay. <laughs> he was the first. And, and also, if you follow the pattern of how truth, uh, like, or chaos uh, comes to a certain order is it usually comes from the inside. Like Jesus says, like the builder or the capstone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. Um, and it usually has to come from the inside uh, or like somebody that grew up knowing it mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. be able to know enough about it to be mm -hmm. like, Hey, like, right. This, right. Because like, even as a Christian back then, like if somebody that wasn't a Christian came to critique us, I'd be like, yeah, get out of here. Like, I'm not, you're not uh, a Christian, so you have no right to say anything. Right, right. Um, but to me, I feel like I'm in a weird position. I've always felt like called to like witness to Christians, um, even as a Christian in a certain way. Um, but I feel like, no, like kind of like with Paul, where he did everything right as a Pharisee. And that's how he wrote all his letters is he's saying like, you know, I did everything right. And I did, I was... I was a model Christian. Sounds like and, it. Yeah. And, um, and, and I also am not regretful about that. I've, I've, I know the Bible, I know what's in there and I feel like I know it enough to be able to explain it to people, yeah. especially the 90% that have never read it. But then even, cause that's what Jesus was doing is even when at a young age, he'd go to the temple and he'd argue with the Pharisees right. or the, the religious people. And he would, he'd be like, well, what about this? What about this? And he'd stay there so long that his parents left him by accident because he loved talking about it and challenging them because that's what chaos does is it challenges us. And we're so afraid of chaos in religion because it's like, well, you know, basically if you subscribe to a certain order of things, if somebody challenges that order of things, then they're challenging the whole foundation you yeah. built, yeah, everything totally. you have it on. Your That's community, why it's such a threat. Even your individual psychology. This is something, mm -hmm. the more I learn about psychology, the more I think a, a powerful description of the phenomenon of religion, mm -hmm. not commenting on the accuracy of the claims, but rather the social phenomenon of religion, is yeah. that uh, it is complex psychology at work. So like, yeah. why do religious groups stay together? Is it because of adherence to the same beliefs? Well, if you actually examine those beliefs deeply, you'll find there's going to be disagreements in everybody's minds because it's yep. very complex. Everybody interprets things a little bit differently. They have different philosophies. So I think it's like a very complex uh, socio-psychological phenomenon. We have these communities yeah. that are built around 
formal adherence to beliefs, even though they, the actual beliefs aren't necessarily held with that much rigor. And then there's like norms and standards and rules and rituals and beliefs and, and customs that emerge from those communities. And then it gets yeah. very deep into people's psychology, like the way right. that they, they, they conceive of the world is through the religious lens that is shared in their, um, in their community. It's like very, very, it's like the, the religious, if you're, if you're born into a religious household or religious community, that religious lens is so tightly fused to your eye. It is so hard to even conceive of the world outside of it, at least until the scales fall off, if you will. Yeah. Uh, And then, and then you can see a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And you have to die to yourself because the image you've built of yourself, like, I mean, honestly, like I'm, I, it's like the analogy I say is like, I studied Lord of the Rings and I love it, but the Lord of the Rings people don't like me, you know, Uh all the people that have read it or have ascribed to it don't like talking with me about it because I don't, because I don't like land at the same conclusions they do, but I still like love the Bible. And I still like, I, I see the Bible as like a bunch of people that were trying to really honestly explore the human condition and write it down and explain it but i don't think it stopped with john and revelation i think that that has continued on for a long time and looking for somebody that's actually honest enough to show their own flaws honest enough to show like not many writers did that especially back then so like that was a really good thing and then also art is very similar to that like art and profits seem super similar to Mm. me. Like, I don't Mm. know how artists and prophets, like true artists, like they add, they, they explore an unexplored thing. Like chaos and order is like the known and unknown. So known is like the religion. Then the unknown is like the thing that hasn't been explored yet. Um, And so exploring the unknown, I think is what Jesus was about. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's what artists do. And a lot of times what is explored as the unknown now will become the known later. And so like, there's going to be a whole new religion, but they won't be called a religion, but the deconstruction movement has almost started its own religion. People are selling books (laughs) for $270 for like how to deconstruct and stuff like that. And to me, it's like a lot of people leave the religion of whatever they grew up with to join another religion of like Republican or Democrat. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's all group thinking. And it's also like a helpful utility, but it does fall apart in a certain way. Basically, like once you create a formula, that formula will be helpful for a time. All order will go into chaos and all chaos will go into order and So if you have a formula that you use, but you don't update it with the time period, then that's the the old wine and new wineskins or uh, uh, old wineskins and new wine. It's this old formula no longer works with this current time because all these other inventions are happening too, you know? You have to update it all. And so that's always the, the challenge and the struggle as a human is those formulas will be helpful, but also you have to let go of them when they're not. And you had to constantly die to those formulas. And I think that's what Jesus was about too. So, so um, 
usually I don't do this, but I've been, I have these little notes up, up inside here. There's just so much information here. I think I'm going to do a minute of grab bag because that's like little concepts yeah. I want to, I want to cool. uh, cover. And then I want to so like grab bag mean like a two minute answer, one minute answer kind of thing or no, no. Like uh, I have uh, most likely this is going to lead towards a deeper conversation because. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, so I just want to say something about the psychology. So you were talking about dying to yourself. Like you have to die mm -hmm. to yourself. Uh, when you maybe learn that some of your beliefs were incorrect or held, you know, they were a bit too dogmatic. <clears throat> that is, of course, figurative. You're not literally, your body is not literally dying. But there is right. a real psychological process of death here, which yeah. is not easy, not easy at all, especially yeah. if you strongly identified yourself with your beliefs. If you find out those beliefs are incorrect, it's devastating. It really is like, okay, who am I? What am I? I sort of have to start over from scratch um, yeah. because the things I thought were solid foundations aren't solid foundations. This is something that like the pursuit of philosophy does over and over and over and over. Like just yeah. uh, a few years ago, I had been uh, considered myself a conceptualist for a long time, which essentially is a position on um, universals where I think I thought universals were in the mind, not in the world. Mm. and wrote a bunch of articles on it and thought, yeah, this is pretty damn compelling. And then maybe, well, it's might've been maybe five years ago now. I don't, I don't remember. I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely wrong. That's not good enough. Mm. And so that seems like it's an esoteric thing. It's like your philosophy of universals, but I was building out my model for what I thought the world was yeah. based on this abstract assumption about universals, which I'm like, no, that's not correct. And I, once again, for the 10,000th time, yeah. I just got to start up from scratch. And if you haven't experienced that, uh, it's, it's very difficult. I, I, it's almost, I almost feel like it's kind of a blessing for some people to lose their religious faith yeah. at some point, because then they get a taste for, uh, what, uh, for what is required to have real, personal, spiritual, psychological growth. Like if you, mm. if you want to self-develop and you want to grow in your understanding of the world and try to better yourself, I guarantee it is 100% set in stone that the, your future involves psychological death, perhaps to a large degree. And if you haven't yeah. died yet, you, you will, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The ego death, that whole idea. And, and honestly, I really, I always really trust somebody that's had some sort of um, death of like, basically the basic of it is like um, admitting you're wrong about something. Um, and that's like so hard. That's such a hard thing to do. And then also, especially if you built up a, um, like, you know, a, a body of work, about something and then yeah, you have to like for sure throw out the book you wrote or whatever you know it's just like it's really tough because you know yeah and that's why i think a lot of people stay wherever yeah, they're at you totally. know it's a million um, times easier well and, and and that doesn't even touch on the the social uh aspect of this right it's one thing to have psychological death it's quite another thing to say hey you know this idea that our mm -hmm. whole lives and communities were were revolved around very yeah. explicitly for decades. Yeah. Yep. I think that was wrong. Totally. I mean, you're, you're saying effectively, uh, I am, I am a heretic. I am the yeah. person that we used to talk when we used to share the faith and we used to talk about the yep. people outside of it. That's me now. Exactly. You know? That's yeah. hard. Oh yeah. I remember. Well, one thing I think of it is Jesus says, if you want to pursue me, then you're going to be, uh, 
opening yourself up to persecution in so many yeah. different words. And so, and I think that that's very true. What's funny is in youth group, I was told like, you know, if you become a Christian, uh, people are at work and your community and stuff like that won't like you. Your family's not going to like you. And you have to be able to do that for your faith. But what I've seen, especially in America, is you actually get more persecuted if you step away from your faith. Because sure. my brother, he left uh, the faith at like 17 years old. He comes back from a missions trip and says, Jesus isn't the son of God. And I saw that it hurt his relationships. It hurt his potential jobs and stuff like that. Um, for me, I worked with Christian bands for about 13 years. Yeah, I remember videos. that. Yeah, music videos and touring with them where that's why I was tough on Facebook is I have like over 4,000 followers. Uh, most of them came from a Christian background, especially because I was doing youth ministry for over 10 years. I did like after school programs, missions trips, um, all that stuff. I was like part of, I was a young life leader. I was a leader at my youth group. Um, and so I even started a film house for Christian filmmakers. Uh, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. Like mentorship the and stuff like that. Thunderdome, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like all, basically like all these houses I've been building, I had to burn down in a certain way. <laughs> yeah, and right. um, it, it's, it's scary because like how much work am I going to lose from this? I'm not going to gain. I don't know if I'll gain any work from this. Like I don't, I, I know that there's going to be some people that are like, yeah, we're not going to hire Isaac for that. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that. And I'm fine to yeah. see that. But I definitely know that like I posted this on Twitter like a month ago, just this kind of like a gateway into the Facebook because there's more like friends, families. Aunts, uh -huh, uncles, uh -huh. and stuff. Yeah, It's like Facebook. you're coming out of the closet and this was like you creaked the door open just a little. Bit, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so uh, with that, with um. I kind of did a screenshot of my followers just because I was curious, not like that's the reason, but, and I just saw the follower count go down and it's like, okay, but this is why I'm doing it. It's because it's more free on freeing. Cause I don't, I want to start getting more into like be, being more honest with my art and my filmmaking yeah, yeah. and posting that and not have to explain like, Hey, I made a rated R movie and it has cuss words in it. And even as a Christian, I was like, cussing is not a, it's not biblically wrong to cuss, you know, I'm sure people could argue with me and I'd be fine to do it, but um, I just don't want to have to explain my art anymore because that's not the point <laughs> of art is yeah. you have to just, you know, show it, you know? So um, well, this is one of the steps I'm doing to start exploring that more. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, I think. Um, so I think the universe that we live in is structured such that when people do what you've just described and they start making it more personal, more selfish in a, re in a sense where it's like, I, I'm making this and I'm not, and I'm making this piece of art and I'm not doing it to please you for your standards. This is artistic right. expression. I think when people do that, I think the quality and the power of yeah. the work goes up. It's like, oh, Absolutely. this is an alive individual who has something to say. That's incredibly exactly. powerful. Yeah. And that's what I'm really excited about because for the past three years, I have made a lot of films that I just haven't made uh, public because I didn't want to have to. And now I feel like I could be more oh, interesting, open. And I have seen my, my films. I'm so proud of the past three years. Like they have been like, I feel like I was in an eight bit world. And I think this is kind of a reason Christian movies are terrible is it's like eight bit view yeah. of reality. Uh-huh 
you can't have a high res version of reality if you don't have an understanding for that. It's like the yeah, he who has ears, let them hear kind of thing. Um, but the more I've gone to like 12 bit or 16 bit or whatever, like, yeah, when I'm 16, bit, other 16 bit people like real recognize real, like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. But then the eight bit people will be like, and I'm not even trying to say that to other people. I'm not like, cause I was eight bit for a long time. And I'm not even saying that all Christians are eight bit either. I'm just saying like, if you don't challenge things or try and work on your definition of quality or reality, then you will remain in, I mean, even right. Jesus says that, you know, like you're going to remain dead until you're awoken up, you know? Um, so like the more I've gotten a, a more honest view of reality and myself and like seeing that there are parts of me that, you know, I was trying to repress as a Christian instead of like, you know, exploring and, and having an outlet an art, a creative artistic outlet for certain parts of me um, has been really like freeing and life-giving and healing yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways. Like I've made films in the past few years that absolutely have healed me, like of certain patterns that I was stuck in. Um, That's fantastic. And, yeah. So, so I'm just like more I, excited I, to share that. You know? I just want to highlight the way that that is phrased. Okay. You have made films that have healed you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that idea. So, so in, in um, my creative expression, one of the creative expressions is in philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I have, when I'm writing something uh, that is philosophical in nature, in my mind, I'm writing it for myself at age 16. And I'm thinking, you know, right. I, I was able to deal with advanced concepts. I was stupid in a bunch of ways, but that's, that's I'm, I'm sort of trying to do those things for myself. And yep. I know that the quality improves. And this, this is very yep. counterintuitive. If people think like, oh, as, a, as a, some creative person, you are doing it for the other. And it's like, actually, I get a whole lot of self-development and growth and healing. And totally. uh, I, I get to process psychological things by me expressing myself for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually have made films I've not shown anyone. I've shown like five people. That's awesome. That, some of my favorite films I've made, I didn't post because it's like one was dealing with a breakup. So I didn't want to be mean to the ex or anything <laughs> like that. But like film has been my first language since I was 10. Like I, mean, I express my feelings and thoughts about the universe with film. You before I ever was able to do that with words, you know, like Amazing. I started processing my emotions, like when I was like 30, <laughs> 27, <laughs> you know? or at least the more like 12 bit emotions. Uh -huh. But, uh -huh. um, but yeah, like it is true. Like don't play for the gallery. This no. is also like what Jesus is saying. Don't, don't do it for the appearance of others. Because when you do, you end up making art that's regurgitation where it's yes. like, Oh, we're going to make a protagonist. that's wearing a Trump hat. Ha uh -huh. ha. This is, this is so deep. And it's like, you just, you didn't even create your own protagonist. You created <laughs> an already made prepackaged protagonist. Um, you're not even understanding where they're coming from. You're, you're, you're dumbing down who you're straw manning in a certain way. Right. Um, but there was another thing about art that. Your own psychological self-development. Oh, uh, Jesus said that um, you can't pursue God and money at the same time which is something I never heard from a pulpit before in my life. And I do feel like kind of like Carl Jung's idea of God, like it's a, God is uh, like a psychological state or something like that. I can't mm -hmm. remember how ex exactly explains it, but um, you can't pursue, uh, pursue art and money at the same time either. 
Like if you're making something for the money, if I was making a film for the money, I know how to do it. Right. Because I know like what formula is presented in front of me, but people buy formulas. They don't buy the, the, you know, the unknowns. So for example, is like um, Blair Witch Project. Like imagine, when you're trying to pitch Blair Witch Project before there's a, a genre yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. So or like a, Seinfeld, you know, as a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, you're exploring an unknown. And yeah. so people are like, oh, I, I don't want to touch that until you prove it. Now it's a known. Then, then people want to make, package it and make a gift shop out of it. But they don't want to do that on the front end. And that's what I've realized with a lot of uh, filmmaking and art or any kind of art is like most artists that truly push the genre forward or created a new genre weren't understood by the masses until it was articulated and was able to be explained to the masses. Right, similar pattern in philosophy as well. What's that? It's a similar pattern in philosophy as well. Oh, totally. Yeah, a lot of the great minds aren't appreciated till after they die. Some of them, maybe, maybe they were, but a lot of them weren't. Right, and Jesus says, uh, your father, or you make monuments for the prophets that your father's killed. And that's like the same pattern as any domain. You look at the people that the forefathers of that domain, the people that pushed it forward, usually were killed. Some, a lot of times, yeah. literally yeah. were killed like, uh, you know, Medgar Evers and John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King and, uh, you know, Malcolm X and, you know, that's like the current day ones. And now we're celebrating and making monuments for them. Right, but like yeah. Martin Luther King died with a 70% disapproval rating. He was actually stabbed by a black woman before and she tried to kill him. Black Malcolm X spoke out against him. The black community was not on board with him hundred percent. And now it's like he died and then yep. you make monuments for the prophets that your yep. father's killed. Yep. So it's, it, it seems to be a common pattern. The Picasso died broke and so many other people like that. I think you know? part of the reason for that is because um, greatness is very upsetting to the established order that at, at least I know in our society, I think if you, maybe I could say, if you live in a corrupt society, which maybe everybody does, maybe everybody has, I'm not sure. But at least in our society, if you're really trying to pursue the truth and speak honestly, there is no way that you're going to end up supporting uh, established powers. There's no way. Why? Because the truth is not on their side. That could be in politics. You know, I, I don't think the best, wisest, truest people are, are people in politics. No. It could be, yeah. you know, it could be in the media and people can consume media, and which is not the truth. It's like anti-truth. And if you're yeah. actually going to stand up and try to speak the truth, it's a guarantee that you're going to be upsetting the people that have established their power, oftentimes through lies. Exactly. Okay. In the film industry, I've seen that a lot, like with just like, I mean, people talk about rust, but people have been dying, like on the way home from a film set because they've been, you know, you're doing 16 hour days and they don't break for lunch, but the union's like, well, as long as you pay them extra, that's fine. Yeah, and right. so they just say, hey, we're not breaking for lunch. And so the, the, the film industry, basically religion or Christianity cares about like God as much as the film industry cares about film. It's just like they don't. It's <laughs> yeah. just like they want to appear like they do. As much yeah. as the academic world cares about ideas. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, so and it's it's just so funny that the people that like are the face of something actually aren't. 100%. And, yeah. And and I think I think people who resonate with that and see it have some sort of an obligation and or opportunity to 
have a go at creating either their own unique art, their own alternative institutions. Something has to be done. If you have the belief that you and I both share that uh, no, the, the people in public positions of authority in an establishment tend not to care about the thing they're doing, well, right. maybe we can fix that. Right. I don't okay. know. <laughs> okay. So I want to, I want to, I want to uh, talk about the, what Jesus is and give you my own thought on it. But before yeah. I do, I want to do one thing I forgot to say that, that you'll appreciate because of the film background. So for a little bit, I was doing um, motion graphics production for nonprofits. I was like, you know, communicating economic concepts and uh, with motion graphics, Adobe After Effects, that type of thing. Yeah. And uh, when I was in the forums, figuring out how to do some various animations, um, there were people in the Creative Cow forums. I'm sure you you know that. Website. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're in there, and they're complaining that there are so many amateur motion graphics producers now that they're so cheap that the the professionals get priced out of the market. You see, and then they consume this lowbrow content from right. the, the self-employed motion graphic producers and they miss all of the details and the correct right. designs. Yeah. And I was like, it's so funny to read these people complaining that essentially they're being undercut because their, their work is not valued as highly as they think their work is valued. Right. Okay. I just <laughs> yeah. thought that was, yeah. Oh um, no, that happens so many times. And, and it's like, because they're, they're so threatened by the new. They're so yeah, threatened yeah. by people that like, figured it out quicker. Like Avid was really hard to learn, but now Final Cut's made it easier. Then of course, Premiere has made it easier. And, and then DaVinci's making it nearly yeah. free to edit. And so I don't know, like people that are uh, uh, afraid of growth in that way is like, I don't know, sometimes you're the, com the client wants an eight bit version of yeah. not a super detailed thing. And they don't want to pay, you know, a crazy amount of money because they just want something quick. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. So. Okay. So um, I want to give you my take on Jesus and uh, yeah. the kingdom of God. And uh, you put a piece of the puzzle together that I hadn't before because uh, my my version of the kingdom of God, it wasn't 8-bit, but maybe it was 12-bit and you just, you just bumped it up to 16-bit. Um, okay. So there's one story I could tell about Christianity, <clears throat> which makes a lot of sense which I could say Jesus is a mindset and it is a mindset that can be instantiated in people and multiple people um, across time. Mm -hmm. So, so we talk about psychology. We can't, we can talk about psychology as if people are like possessed. You say, ah, oh, this person, you know, if somebody's in a rage, it's like yeah. they're possessed by the God of rage or somebody's drunk, they're possessed by the God of drunkenness or whatever we can sure. talk about. And if somebody gets brain damage, we say, oh, they're a different person. You know, it's like they're, they're, they're acting differently. Their spirit's not there anymore. Yeah. It's a different spirit, yeah. something like that. We can talk in that language. <clears throat> well, yeah. what if Jesus is the mindset of love? And what mm -hmm. if the what if the historical person boots on the ground Jesus was the guy who walked around possessed by this mindset? Yeah. Now, if that if that happened, I would expect a few things. One, I would expect he'd probably end up killed, right? If he did this enough, <laughs> yeah. right? He, he's he's going to say some things that upset some people. He's going to say yeah. some true things that are going to be 
you know, they're yeah. going to, they're going to shape the world for thousands of for, forever, really, you know, mm -hmm. the influence of Christianity can't be erased from the record books. Like you got sure. the butterfly effect from what, from what he said. Mm -hmm. I would also expect a, uh, a religion to form up around him and a bunch yeah. of morons to say, let me tell you what this person said. And that means you should do this and you should do that. You'd have organized right. religion. It's powerful. So you get governments involved. So there'd be a merging of, you know, pseudo Christianity with the state. Yep. Because yep. that's where power is. And that's what power is attracted to. Yep. And if that were true, I could also, I could also say things like Jesus lives. Jesus is immortal. Why? Because you can be possessed by the spirit of love. Yeah. I also say, I think, I, I think, so I, I got to experience the possession of the spirit of love with the, I'll call it the Jesus mindset mm -hmm. with a love experience with my wife, Julia, that yeah. the, the, the realization of love of her to me and me to her was, I think the mindset that Jesus was walking around it, the person of Jesus was walking around it. And, and that is, total love it's not it's not i love bacon i love film this is like yeah this is uh transcendental love true love absolute yeah. love i cannot it is a love that you cannot conceive anything being greater than right it's not it's not it's like maximal ultimate yeah. love. and yeah. and this and we talked about this a little bit in, in uh when I, I had that conversation i still think about that Sorry. yeah we, we talked i think it was 2015 or something i was like yeah this, that moment has still, you know, that has changed my, me permanently because it was so yeah. powerful. But I think that's the, I think that's a religious experience. And I think yeah. the religious experience can be an instantiation of the love mindset, which is the Jesus mindset, which allows yeah. me to say, yeah, I, I kind of like thinking of myself as a Christian. That is to say, the goal of life, the, the, the best life is to try to live such that you get to instantiate love, AKA yeah. Jesus. So when people say Jesus lives in your heart, well, what does that mean? That's hard to understand. Maybe I could say you being a human that doesn't have brain damage, that doesn't have particular physical limitations on what might be possible for humans. You have some type of wiring in your brain, in your mind, in your soul, some type of structure, some type of button that can be pressed that gets you to the Jesus mindset. And yeah. if you get to do that, you, you've arrived. So that's mm -hmm. my, that's my take. And that's my take, right? Curtain. That's my running theory of what Jesus is a mindset yeah. that can be instantiated and can live. And is the most powerful thing you've ever imagined. And your whole life gets reoriented around. And I could yep. see in that, I could see myself in that mindset being nailed to a cross for Julia. Guy wouldn't want to good heavens. Yeah. 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 But that's the type of extreme mental state that you're in. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, maybe there was a guy that actually walked around in that. I can only imagine, right? I, I, I've been in that state a few hours of my life. Okay. Yeah. And it's like exhausting. It's crazy. It's like this shocking thing. Imagine, you know, if I'm trying to imagine this guy walking around like 24 hours a day, he's in this yeah. transcendental God state. I'm like, oh man, I don't even know what would happen? I don't know what would happen physically. That's to say, I don't know what happens when somebody like that dies. Like for all I know, they get fucking resurrected from the ground. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. It's such a crazy, it's such a crazy mindset to be in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think about and, that? Yeah, I actually agree. Um, the idea of Jesus even says like, when I leave you, my, I, I'll leave yeah. my spirit with right, you. Right, right. 
you know? And so uh, one concept I really agree with is the, um, the idea of the collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's essentially what the kingdom of God is, is like the, the, the people that are, yeah, like have, the, I would call it a spiritual experience, a religious experience, but sounds like formulaic where it's like, you can yeah. do X, Y, Z, because uh-huh, obviously uh-huh. You, you couldn't do anything. It just happened to you. I remember yeah. your story. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I had a religious experience or that experience in a certain way, like three okay. years ago. Um, I remember, well, I was smoking weed for the yeah. first time in my yeah. whole life. Yeah. And uh, I was smoking weed and I felt like God was saying, write this down. And I was like, well, hold on. I, I'm on weed. Anything. That God <laughs> so I started writing and I, um, I said, Hey, Isaac, I wrote this on weed. So just check it with the Bible when uh-huh. you're sober or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Cause back then I thought it was anti-sober or whatever. Totally. And I felt like God was saying, I'm not mad at you. 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 Wow. And like, it just was like, it was uh, like just healing. It was like my whole life, my religion and how I lived was acting as if God was mad at me. And I was right. trying to get to like a, right. a place where he wasn't. God is the great eye of Sauron staring at you and judging yeah. constantly. And, and so that was like this God of fear, which is the opposite of love. And, um, I remember like, and I was writing and it was like, I'm not mad at you. You're, uh, you're living in this one acre fence of your legalism. And you're doing that because of your fear of me being mad at you. And I'm not mad at you. And And then a week later I hung out with my dad. Um, we were like vacation. I saw my dad and he just said, you know, it's taken me about 60 years to realize that God's not mad at me. And it was like this confirmation that Christians have told me, like, if you're hearing from God, the way it gets confirmed is somebody says it like recently after. You, you, you've heard, I'm sorry, you've, you've heard this before? I, I've What's never this? heard, I've never heard this idea that, that you hear confirmation. Oh, from somebody that's what else. I've heard. That's what I've heard oh, from. We'll put a signpost there. not in the Bible. We, we have to talk about this. Please continue yeah. the story, but we have to come back to that. Totally. Yeah. So like I, I went through the filters that I was told to use to see if it was God talking to me. And of course I was like, well, I don't think that, you know, uh, God could talk to me on weed or maybe he right. can, or, you know, then I realized like, that's crazy to think that, but, um, but yeah, so it, how I saw everything was if you like, let's say I'm hanging out with you and I, I run over your cat by accident. And you say, hey, dude, I forgive you because I'm like, I'm so sorry. Instead, the next time we hang out, I would act as if like right now we're at, at zero, like we're good, you know, we're neutral. But I was like, if I ran over your cat, the next time I saw you, it'd be like we're in a position of negative one. So I'm in a negative one with you. So I would bring chocolates or whatever you oh. like and be like, hey, dude, again, I'm really sorry about your cat. And what I'm trying to do is get back up to zero. Right. And that's how I uh, interacted with God. And usually with how you interact with God is how you interact with everything else. And I just felt like this constant state of like, everyone's at negative one with me. And I have this fear of like, this is how they see me and I need to work myself up to zero. Um, And that's like codependency. And I had words for it way later. 
Um, and I think that codependency is what I've been taught as a Christian is what love is. And I don't think that that's the case. Um, it, I've realized the more I've pursued truth and the more I've like really um, focused on um, like the things that are true and loving and wonderful and, you know, studying all those things. Um, it's helped so many other people, like just not even me trying to change them, right. but me trying to change myself right. has changed so many other people. And so this is like the whole thing where it's like judge a tree by its fruits. And I would love any Christian because people say, well, you're not supposed to judge as a Christian. He says, no, that's, you're allowed to judge. Jesus actually tells us to judge by a tree by its fruits. It's a good thing to do that. So let's judge a tree by its fruits. And as a Christian, my whole life, I was struggling with porn. And three years ago, I stopped looking at it. And this was after the, the, the yeah. religious experience. Yeah, I actually, another time I was smoking weed and I really got deep into my like honesty with myself and saying like, do I like this? Do I have a handle on this? Do I want to continue doing this? Is this making my life better? Do I want to bring this into a marriage X, Y, Z? And then I got to the question of like, are you willing to do anything to get out of this? And then I said, yes. So it was a, it was a truth moment, a come uh -huh, to Jesus uh -huh. moment. Exactly. And because of that, um, it's, it's changed my whole trajectory. My fruits are here and I have, now I feel like I have this tree that like other people have been able, other birds have been able to like, you know, make a nest on and, and, um, it's been, you know, giving life to so many things and stuff. Um, okay. Let me, let me hop in here. Yeah, this this is so, this is just so good. Okay. There are many possible explanations for your experience and my experience. Mm -hmm. And it is unfortunate when people pigeonhole themselves into one uh, explanation. So like my, my love slash God experience made most sense in my rational mind as like, you know, I would describe it as if there was a mind directly communicating to my mind saying, I, I these words kill me. I, I believe I welled up when I told them to you last time, but I'll just say it yeah. again. Words were, <clears throat> as much as you love Julia, that's how much I love you. Now, was I saying that to myself? I might have been. Here's the, here's the right. thing. Like, I yeah. could tell a story in which there are many minds in the psychology of a person. Yeah. I have my normal mind. I have a deeper mind, a wiser mind. And maybe the information flow between my wise mind and my dumb mind was crappy. And yep. so I needed, I needed this connection between my psychological people that are, that are communicating to, to, yeah. to somehow communicate to me while, you know, be with Julia, this is good. This is real love. And I love myself as much as I love Julia. That might, that really might be the story. Humans might be built in that way. Like, wow, that's amazing. Where we attribute, yeah. we attribute those moments to an external when maybe they're internal. Cool. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if the universe was structured that way? Like, holy crap, humans do what? We have this, we, we right. walk around in possession of a higher mind. That's incredible. There's yeah. another story though, which is more in accordance with the experience, which is that it was, it seemed like an external mind 
Yeah. Tell, it seemed like God, like I would describe it as God told me that the maximal love, the ultimate love that I had for Julia was something he felt towards me. Yeah. And, and that, that it's, it's, it's very powerful. And I, I, I think we should be comfortable with saying, I don't know the ultimate cause of the experience. It's either yeah. the case and either is beautiful, Isaac. If it's the case, there is this divine mind that can tell you, I forgive you. I'm not mad at you. I love you. Yeah. you know? Or if it's the case that, we're, that, that we walk around as part of ourselves, somehow we have this, in, we have this mind, we have the, the intuition, the higher self, just we don't access it all the time. Either of those is like transcendentally beautiful. Yeah. Like how, that's amazing. Either there is no way, once you've had that experience, there's no way to escape some kind of a religious spiritual worldview. Like either you're a transcendentalist and you say it's all in the self or you're, you know, maybe you're a theist or something and you're like, you know, it's external. Either way, wow. Right. And that's, that's again, going back to John 9 where it's like, I don't know if he's the son of God or not. I just know that I used to be blind and now I see. Right. Like I actually got that tattooed on my, uh, nice on Brett and Braille, uh, on my arm there. Nice. Um, because it's like, yeah, that's, I don't, I can't explain it all. Carl Jung has an idea that, you know, the, what we think of God is in our brain. Uh -huh. It's a projection. And he said, you know, Christians were mad at, or the religious were mad at him for even saying that. Right. Um, but he was saying, well, it's actually more egotistical to say that if that's true, but you're calling that projection that's coming from you and you're calling that divine. So he was saying it's more, you're being the heretics in my worldview because you're calling the projection in your brain, the divine and something like and I think about it though, even if this is built within humans, we're not responsible for it. We don't, we, we, we didn't construct our brains. We didn't construct our minds from birth. We didn't choose to exist. We can't right. even, you know, choose to perpetuate to perpetuate our own existence. Yeah. It, it would have yeah. to be that, that the literally, and if you want to take like a physicalist approach here, the universe would have to be the universe itself through natural processes would have to develop such a complex creature as us that has these deep psychological um, entities, if you will, pseudo entities, whatever you want to call them, that, mm -hmm. that in, the, with the, in the right environment communicate with our regular consciousness. Like, yeah. how, how is that heretical? You're making a shocking statement about how the laws of nature have worked together to produce such, a, such an entity as us. Yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting that in 12-step programs and stuff, you need to identify some sort of higher power. And, and that seems to be the one thing that um, has actually given fruits to, you know, like people that want to get out. Yeah, Once right. they identify power, power in some way, yeah. uh, then they actually get out of their addiction. The, the success rate is very high compared to all these other. Right. You know, for sure. Well, also with um, psychedelic drug use, a lot of people have gotten huge yeah. benefits in overcoming addictions from psychedelics. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, so when, when I think of these, I, I love these ideas, right? This is just this is so exciting to me. And then I think back and I'm like, why couldn't we have at least had this conversation growing up? You why? and I? 
No, well, no. Sorry, just in no. general. No, I mean general in our in our in our evangelical Christian community. Yeah. Why did we not? Why did we not entertain the possibility that when we're talking about God, we're talking about reality, and and regardless of you know regardless of the objective metaphysical truth of whether God, your religious experiences come from outside or within, there's something ma magical there. There's something truly important and spiritual there that people, you know, lots of people report being the most important experiences of their lives are when they have these encounters with God. And the, and the evangelical Christians, I think back to my upbringing in that community, they, they would like scold it. They'd say, that's bad. That's of the devil. Right. That's not literally true. You, could, you don't know the metaphysics. It's like, could, we, can we can both entertain the idea that uh, there, is a, there is a personal God or there isn't a personal God, but let's first have the conversation about what types of experiences are possible in the universe. Let's first have the conversation about how humans are structured yeah. su such that they, they give rise to these, uh, these moments. Yeah, it's funny because uh, in the same story with John 9, Jesus says, uh, you know, he says, I came to give blindness, sight to the blind and blindness to the, those who have sight. Then the Pharisees saying, well, you're saying we're blind? And he says, you're blind because you claim to have sight. And that whole idea is like, you know, back then when people say you can't think about those things because that's not how the world works. And it's like, because you claim to know, you have lock yourself into what it is and now you can't even explore any nuance even like truth right. in a lot of ways is in the nuance and so um to to not think that you're wrong in some way or another like 45,000 different denominations of christianity 45,000 <laughs> like and, and, and it just so happens the one that you were born into i know was the correct right? one yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and i think the reason we couldn't really talk about it too much when we were kids is like when we are kids, the people that told us to make sure you eat and drink water and go to sleep, uh, that kept us alive and for our survival, were also telling us, and make sure you don't do this or you'll go to hell. Um, so it was really hard, you know, it's really hard as a kid when <clears throat> the only worldview you have is those of your parents, because that's like you could only see through the lenses they gave you because in a lot of ways it's what kept us alive and got us to where we are right now but i also think that's why jesus says you need to be willing to hate your mother and father to follow me he doesn't even say that he says it more harsh but um you have to hate your mother and father to follow me and i think that's like be willing to even let go of everything that they've given you to be able to explore the unknowns because you have to explore the unknowns because that's gonna that's what produces fruit in everything in nature and art and everything else is the only way to get fruit is to be able to let go of some of the old and add some of the new and keep doing that you know let, let me let me i, I want to just explore that concept for a little bit here um oh. about the unknown so you've said you think of jesus as chaos and that he's he's in in searching in the unknown <clears throat> pushing us towards the unknown. The way I'm thinking about it, Jesus, uh, let, let's say, let's say by, by Jesus, what I mean is let's imagine that there is a, a person who's walked around possessed by the love mind for a long period of time and has gained lots of wisdom and insight 
that has come from that possession. Mm-hmm. I, I think of Jesus as having scoped out the unknown where he's not, he's not saying this is genuinely unknown. He's saying he knows. He knows it because he's in the state. He's seen the truth. He's connected with God. He is in a state of love. Yeah. It's unknown to you, but it's, I don't think it's unknown to him. So I wouldn't, so when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it might look like chaos from our perspective, but it's not chaos. In fact, I wrote an article shortly after having this love experience where uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's about economics. So there's a, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it, but um, <laughs> I was essentially saying that love seems kind of crazy from the outside because it reorients your values scale and right. and suddenly you start acting in ways people think look crazy but you're just acting in accordance with your new values <clears throat> right. so, so so what do you think about that when i'm thinking about chaos i'm like yeah the, the love mindset will make you look chaotic from the outside but really it just comes from greater insight into the logos into the actual structure and the order absolutely but, you know. uh, the example i would use is um I think his name was Alex Hommel, the guy that uh, free soloed Al Capitan. Um, so one of the things is if you, there's a really good documentary, I can't remember. It's not the free solo one, but it's basically the, the, the progress of cl- climbing in the Al Capitan. Um, so in the, the Yosemite, so <clears throat> it was like in the fifties or sixties, like somebody climbed it but it took them like a year and then another person was the first to climb it in two weeks and then another person climbed it Uh with ropes but a different type of ropes and you know and so every time they did that they were doing Mm -hmm. something that hasn't been done before but they did have the faith that they could do it because they knew all the other things they that they didn't know so you can like actually live on a rock of a solid foundation and step into a faith element Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. for example with um with Alex Hamold, he free soloed Al Capitan, which everyone would be like, that's crazy. That's chaos. Right. But he memorized every single foothold and handhold there was all the way up. He did it so many times with ropes that he was able to take away the ropes. So (laughs) it wasn't coming out of just faith where he just stepped up and climbed it. It came out of like, having a known but then adding to the unknown so it might not have been unknown to him it was more of a he's acting in faith on what he already knows it's like i I like to call faith that logic i I think it's reasoned trust that's my best understanding of faith that i I can try to salvage and in that case Mm -hmm. in this guy's story i'd be like is it faith? I mean, it's reason. I mean, he has a reason that he can right. know, free solo it and he's trusting his, his training and all of that. Yeah. So it's not, it's not blind faith. It's, I think it's, it just looks kind of crazy maybe from the yeah. outside. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, if you think, see the universe expanding, like where it is and then where it will be, mm-hmm. that where it will be is the unknown, mm. but it's, it's going to be. And so you could, you could like learn. So like I skateboard a lot. And if I like really understood every variable of like, okay, for this trick, I have this much energy, this much wax on the rail, this much, whatever. And I do that. And every time I do that, I lose a little bit of energy. I get a little bit more thirsty, but then I also like break in the board a little bit more. And then the wax goes down. You could actually just punch in all those numbers. If you got all the variables, right. And know about the time I'd land the trick or, you know, when I would need to add another variable and stuff. So it's, 
it's coming from like, if you have like multiple variables of logic, which is like, you know, this number set goes, you know, by threes and this one goes by twos mm -hmm. and this one, and you do that, then you could go, oh, well, this would be, I'm not there yet, but here I like way before I know that I'd get to that number. Right. If that makes sense. So um, let's, um, let's try Let's tie it back to, to, uh, the Jesus mind here. It's, it's as if instead of skateboarding, let's say there's a literal or a historical or figurative person who stepped out into the unknown and embraced the, the love experience or the love mind mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time there such that he could, he could advise others maybe that, hey, look, it looks like the unknown, but try it out. Walk, walk the path, get as close to the love mindset and truth as possible. And yeah. what will emerge will be good and safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, safe with an asterisk, safe maybe <laughs> yeah, in a yeah, spiritual yeah. sense, but uh, maybe not in a worldly sense. Right. There's something that um, I remember growing up, like the, um, you know, a wise man builds his house upon a rock, uh -huh. and, you know, that whole thing. And I, I love asking Christians this is what is the rock? What is Jesus talking about when he says the rock? And most Christians will say, well, it's Jesus or it's uh -huh. the Bible and stuff. And it's like, well, Jesus specifically says what the rock is. And what the rock is, is he who hears my words and then does them. So he who follows their intuition and does that instead of just hears their intuition and doesn't do anything about it. Over time, if you're following that truth and love uh, over and over again, then you will be have a solid foundation, like a stalagmite of drips of like yeah, yeah. really heavy, like substantial foundation. And then you'll go, oh, I know that I could love this person this way. And this person is a different variable that needs love a different way. And being right. able to like, the more you practice that and live that out, then the more you can um, feel like you're kind of more on solid ground there, you know? Right. Okay, so Isaac, uh, I want to I want to wrap this up um, by covering a question we talked about at the beginning, mm -hmm. which is um, the label of Christianity. Because when I hear this, I'm like, oh yeah, dude's obviously Christian, <laughs> but I'm a heretic. Yeah. So so when you right. say you're not, when you say you don't identify as a Christian anymore, um, can you ex explain more behind that? But where are you saying like? you're equating the the label of Christianity with our version of evangelical Christianity in central New York, or just generally you think Christianity is too limiting in any form yeah. to feel comfortable identifying with it? I think uh, labels in a lot of ways are limiting. Um, the only label I really feel comfortable putting on myself is an artist. Um, but the and I think that that's like even a, when I say artists, I'm, I I feel like a deep deep something about that. And mm. um, but the so first off, like a lot of times when Christians talk to me for a long time, they they go, "Oh, you're a Christian." Yeah. And it's like, well, first off, I'm not entirely convinced about the death and resurrection part. I'm not. I don't see that as like the most crucial part. Another thing is I think Paul was just the first pastor and I don't mm -hmm. see him as, I think he had a lot of great things to say, but I think he also had a lot of yep. things Reed. to say that were just like a pastor would, you know, like, yep. and um, so I, I feel like 
Um, and also I feel like I see things more like non-dualistically where Christianity is like dualism, where it's the separation of God and the mm. universe where mm-hmm. non-dualism is like the God and the universe are one. Um, so basically if I have the Venn diagram of Christianity, um, I'd rather come at it as not a Christian um, because I still love talking about it. I still love talking to my friends. Actually, my biggest fear about coming out as not a Christian today is that, you know, a lot of my Christian friends aren't going to talk to me in that way, or that'll be like this elephant in the room or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, we shouldn't pray before dinner or whatever. It's like, I want people to do what they do. I, I, and I want to have the freedom to do what I do. Um, and not have to defend it from a Christian perspective. Like when people hear me swear or hear that I smoke weed or something like that, they'd be like, oh, well, you can't as a Christian. It's like, okay, well, then I'm not a Christian. And I feel the same with like (laughs) filmmaking. It's like, if you have all these rules and regulations for what a filmmaker is, well, if it makes it easier for you, so I'm not threatening your world and your domain, (laughs) I'm not a filmmaker, you know? despite my tattoos as show filmmaking and my, you know, 27 year dedication to film. <laughs> but like, I don't care about that label at that point because I don't mm. want to have to defend whether or not I love God. I don't want to have to defend, mm. you know, I'd rather just be like, if you don't see the fruits, like, you know, as a filmmaker, my fruits are, I've made two feature films. I've made films. I've done this professionally for 17 years. So if you can't look at the tree by its fruits, then yeah. basically like Jesus had, I just love how he was so fine with um, letting other people identify him in a certain way. And he's like, what do you say I am? You know, like, it, here's the thing is like, you could hear me talk this whole time and you're kind of saying, well, it sounds like you're a Christian. It's like, okay. And I, I actually get that because if you say I'm a Christian after hearing me talk very openly and candidly, then I probably do line up with your idea of Christian, where if I talk to a bunch of other yeah, people, that's a good point. And they might not say I'm a Christian. So mm-hmm. to me, it's better to be like, okay, I'm just at a neutral thing. And if you hear me talk, if you see me live my life and you decide to call me a Christian, that's fine, but I'm not going to live my life in defense of Christianity yeah, yeah. or defense of this group or anything like that. Like that sounds um, like a very wise position uh, for me. I feel a little bit more um, angst about it only because uh, part of the, part of this religious experience I had, it was, so I, I got this um, pseudo voice that figuratively said not, it wasn't an auditory hallucination, but it was as if sure. somebody put the knowledge in my mind that as much as right. you love Julia, that's how much I love you. Um, and it was as if it was signed Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was like a little note. So for right. me, I'm like, okay, does that, I'd like to be able to be like, no, I think Jesus, but when I articulate the philosophy I have, it's just like, okay, I think Jesus is a mindset and the same, that mindset possessed me. You yeah. know, right? Like, like yeah. I, I think, does Jesus live in my heart? Well, sometimes he, uh, it is as if he inhabits my body, right? which is pretty yeah. scary and cool. Does, so I just feel a little bit more um, anxiety about the labeling because I feel like I'm denying something if I say no, that there's nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing sub- substantive about the words of Jesus Christ, even right. in our, our translations, whatever translation it is, like right. there are still some good truths to be found. Absolutely. Um, but, but I don't, I don't want to run away with that, but it's so hard because I'm like, whatever you mean by Christian fellow Christians as probably not, probably not what I am. 
Right. Yeah. It, it is a tough, it's a tough thing because I still like, I still really dig Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I still really, and I actually feel like I, um, like go after him more. Like I've been reading him even more and like, um, been really like thinking on like what he said, like really wrestling with it. And like the idea of Israel, like the, the person of Israel was, uh, the name came from like he who wrestles with God. And I identify with Israel in that sense too, is like, yeah, I wrestle with God. And I think that the way I see my art is, and however people want to, you know, this is really heretic, but like, Mm. I do feel like I'm a prophet. And I know that that sounds really heretic because people think there's only like, you know, 40 prophets (laughs) ever, but it's like, and the numbers shan't be expanded. Right. Yeah. But like, I think like prophets usually weren't looked you know prophet in his hometown is without honor it's like oh well aren't you that kid that was the tyco video camera back then in (laughs) right like yeah but i do think that through my art i have been able to express things that was in the culture that hasn't been articulated yet so how do you how do you differentiate from a prophet versus a philosopher because i'm just like oh it's just philosophy right yeah exactly um i think like and and that's the thing is like the more you get into defining the more you you know for me i'm thinking when i think of profit i'm like prediction the man is predicting the future making prophecies right Right. and so i think that a prophet is in tune with the collective consciousness and whatever is going on in everything instead of seeing like this binary of like oh that it's this and that it's this it's more of like pulling in all things and being able to respond to the all or at least articulate the spirit that the culture is in. Um, and philosophers absolutely do that. I mean, if you look at old Testament prophets, what they did is they did plays, they did performances, they did yeah, poems, okay. they did art, yeah. they did anything. I think Kendrick Lamar is a prophet. I think Dave I don't know, I don't know who that is. Okay. Yeah, Kendrick I know Lamar, that is. <laughs> uh, uh, rap artist or hip hop okay. artist. It's like just amazing. But okay, they they like really kind of challenge the culture and they yeah, challenge yeah. their own and they really like um, ask a lot of questions or like bring up things that everyone was feeling but nobody's articulated yet. So like that's like exploring that unknown and then articulating that the word yeah. becomes flesh. the The spirit becomes flesh. This this thing that was untangible becomes tangible now because we have this piece of art or this philosophy to be able to explore something Mm -hmm. that we only had a feeling of. Um, And so I think that, yeah, that's, I like that definition. That's, I would just, that's like a broad definition of, uh, of prophecy. The, The way in my, in my vocabulary, I would say, you know, that's, that's a philosophy as expressed through artistic means. Mm-hmm. That's how I would yeah. do it. But it sounds like you're pretty much describing the same thing. Yeah. And pro- prophets in a lot of ways, like, because people see prophets as like predicting. And that's true too, in a certain sense, because it's like pattern recognition. Right, right. The more you like work on pattern recognition over your, your life, the more you could kind of go, oh yeah, I saw this coming. Like I wasn't. Right. Like, you know, so there and is you definitely like can do that. You can do that culturally as well. If you're if you're tuned oh, into totally. the the social philosophy, you can absolutely say okay, things are heading a bad direction here, a good direction there. Exactly. You know, disaster. The meteor is going to strike at some point. Yeah. The uh, Francis Ford Coppola in '94 said that um, the future of film is going to be some fat girl in Ohio with her dad's camera. Yeah. And 
I think that that's like been true, but it's even getting closer to true. Like I've been studying film and the history of film since like the creation of 1888 of film. And I could see where it's heading. And I actually am trying to get on that wave before that happens. Cause so I, that's a different conversation in itself, but um, yeah, the prophets and prophecy a lot of times was really um, a prophet was somebody who was explaining what God was trying to say to the people. So it wasn't always predictive. It was more of like explaining what's happening now that like was trying to explain. So like a lot of times the prophets in the old Testament were saying like, God is saying that he hates your gatherings. He's talking about his their worship sessions and their, their temples and their stuff like that. He's like, God is saying he's hating this gathering and that your hearts are far from me. And you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. It wasn't talking about a future thing. It was talking about a current thing. And that's a lot of times if you could look at the patterns of like what God has been up until that point and where, where people see God then. So it's not always predictive. It's <laughs> also like the current, the, you know, like when YouTube came out is within the year YouTube came out, I went up to a band and I said, let's do videos every week. I think this could be really cool. And then it ended up like, I was like one of the most subscribed videos of all time on YouTube or channels. And that's because it was just like knowing everything I knew about film and well, knowing which where- channel was that? Uh, it's called Tub of Popcorn. It was with 8,000 subscribers. But at the time, right, right. nobody was on YouTube at the time because people were trying to sort it out. And I was like, this is the next wave of film. Totally. And I was right. And a lot of other people were right too. So um, same thing it's kind with of like I, being able to catch waves and stuff. It's the same thing that's happening. I think the internet, in my opinion, is the most uh, radical invention of all time. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to exceed the printing press. Um, it's sort of all on the same trajectory on information production and distribution, sure, sure. but it is crystal clear that uh, the future of philosophy and intellectual production is going to be some guy in his basement so, somewhere yeah. who's who, who has access to more powerful tools than every other previous uh, intellectual yep. for all of history. It's not just yeah. by a slight margin. It's like a really smart guy in 1850 had access to a teeny tiny fraction of the information that some interested nerd has access to instantly in his phone. Like like everything that's been produced and put online, you can access and search as well. It's totally, yeah. The the idea that the the landscape is not going to change. I think is crazy. I think academia is way behind the curve in this. (laughs) I agree with that. Yeah. The, the the kingdom of God mentality of the way I was describing it earlier is uh, the print and press, and then the 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 invention of the camera, and then the invention of the internet is like. So John the Baptist said that um, people who come after me will be greater in the kingdom of God, and I think that that's true. Is like the Gutenberg could be like, yo, there will be people after me who will be greater than I, and I think that that's like they'll have more access to more things and be, yeah. um, and I think that there will be something greater that comes after the internet my our minds can't wrap around like what Mm -hmm. that might be but um yeah i think that that there's always like a thing in a generation where of course people are scared of it at first they don't understand it they don't feel like they need to understand it the old generation dies off this is down to the story of israelites and everything like that 
and that then the new generation comes and adapts the new wine skin or the new wine because it's new wine skins and then they die off and then there's a new thing and it keeps going like that and so it's really fascinating to watch and stuff like that it's really cool well uh I feel like we could have a m- many more hours of conversation, but yeah. uh, I feel like that was a good a good uh, note to end it on. Um, this has just been awesome, Isaac. It's fantastic to hear your story, and we're. I feel like we're on the same path in, in many ways, and how you're developing totally. your philosophy, and I you, you've helped me sharpen my uh, my uh, running spiritual religious theology a little bit. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, yeah, it was super. I'm glad you hit me up. I was, it was nice because I posted it today and you reached out like right away and it was like nice to be able to like process it because I've tried to write a million different ways to like come out as not a Christian and then I started defensive in all these different ways and it was just nice to like answer questions and like talk about yeah. it and be able, to, yeah, yeah. be able to show like my friends and family like hey this is where I'm at this is this is who I am and you know like I explained myself as best as I could. You know? That's so, great. That's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah.